0: Welcome to another episode of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Ald. On this week's podcast, we speak to a real Ross County fan's favourite, someone who will be fondly remembered by Ross County supporters, Hugh Robertson, otherwise known as Shug, Shuggy, Hugh the Hammer, Hartlepool fans named him down south as well. Well known and renowned for his Thunder Blaster, of a shot he really could strike the football and uh, certainly many many goals that he scored throughout his career will be fondly remembered by supporters he also turned out for Aberdeen and Dundee as well and uh, well he's had a cracking career it's fair to be said so sit back and enjoy the next hour or so in the company of Hugh the Hammer Robertson Delighted to welcome on to the podcast now a, a man that's a real Ross County fan's favourite, Hugh Shug Robertson. Hugh Shug, what what what? I'm I'm stuck in a quandary here. Can I call you Shuggy? Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah but, no
0: problem. Shug, how are you?
1: Yeah, good. Thanks, and you?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, talking about your your career, especially your. Your time at Ross County, as I mentioned there, you're still high uh, held in high regard by by the Ross County fans, and indeed, you know, doing my research on you as well, you're you're held in high regard by not just Ross County fans as well, Hartlepool as well. We'll talk about them; they've got a, a nickname for you uh, down there, a very good nickname as well, my add, as well. <laughs> um, in terms of your your career, then uh, we'll start right at the, right at the very beginning. Um, you're an Aberdeen boy, is that right, Shug?
1: Yeah, born and bred, yeah, and fan, so I was only one team I wanted to to join when I was at at school, so I was lucky enough to get uh, asked, and that was the start of it for me. Very similar to, um,
0: we spoke to Kenny Gilbert last week on the the podcast, of course, a friend of yours as well, Mm -hmm. he was at Aberdeen at the same time as you as well. Local boy, fan of the club, I mean, you know, dream come true stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I've known Kenny since primary school, We uh, played in the, the Select together, and uh, I won that the that final at Pataudry. Um He, I think he joined Aberdeen before me, like I was at the Christmas time, and think Kenny was the summer before, so uh, he'd, I think it was five of us were S-forms at the time, and we're all uh, taken on for the for the two years apprenticeship it was at the time, mm-hmm. so uh, I came aboard on, on Christmas. So it was a wee step up from 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 uh, secondary school
0: to be thrown into Aberdeen at that time as well. What a terrific time for the club just after uh, that Scottish Cup win back in 1990 as well. Um, I mean Aberdeen. I mean when you look at the. The players that were involved and the names that were involved in Aberdeen at that kind of te- early nineties, I mean, still, I mean, some some terrific uh, names uh, and and players. In terms of when you get involved in the first team, then talk to us about when you you made your your debut because you made your debut uh, under Willie Miller's tenure, and of course, you know Willie Miller needs no introduction to Aberdeen fans. Yeah. He's a legend at the football club. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, was your me- what were your memories like of your debut?
1: Um, well, we had a reserve game. I think it was a cup game midweek. And on a Friday, you if you were with the reserves, you would do like boxes and then maybe a better run-in than if I was in a game on a Saturday. Uh, sometimes you would join in with the the first team just to make up the numbers, basically, so that even numbers and stuff for for any of the little things we're doing. Uh, and normally on a Friday there was Amina, another player Ian Nisbet, and we used to do the, I help with the goalkeeping which was a nightmare because uh, it was Big Theo and any like stray pass or stray shot or anything, he would go absolutely mental so you had to to get a spot on with him, so after that I was walking over to the back with the reserves and then I got shouted over to join him with the first team never thought nothing of it and then they used to put the squads up outside the changing rooms mm-hmm. and then the reserve squad was up and i never seen my name. So I was like a little bit disappointed because I wasn't involved. And then they put the first team squad up and my name was at the bottom and still never thought anything of it. And then um, they read the team out on a Saturday and I was playing. So it was a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a shock, but it probably in a good thing because then it never gave me much time to think about it and maybe get a little bit nervous before yeah. the game. And that was, was that against Dundee United? It was, yeah. So it was a bit, it was a bit an embarrassing bit about midway through the second half, because normally for the reserves I'd been uh, wearing number three, but uh-huh. for the the that game I, I wore number 11, and midway through the second half they put the substitute boards up and number three went up. I thought, oh, that was me. I started walking off and then I realised I wasn't, I was number 11, so... <laughs> It's a little bit embarrassing, but we got the win, and uh, that was it. And that was the start of it.
0: I mean, that must have been such a great feeling, you know, turning out at Patondry for your hometown club on your debut as well. Who were you up against then in that Dundee United side?
1: Uh, who was uh, Billy McKinley was playing, if okay. I remember? Uh, Christian Daly, Jim McAnally, Gordon Petrich, I think, if we can remember. Hey,
0: Gordon Petrich, whoa, what
1: a. Uh, <laughs> so and then. <laughs> That was March, I think, or the end of March, and um, we played them in the Scotch Cup semi-final. A few weeks later, and I played in both of that games as well. So uh, the first game we drew one-one. They scored quite light on, and the second, they beat us in the replay. So it was just like from that, like that debut to the end of that season, it was just like whirlwind sort of thing. Yeah. Just I was involved, and in, because I was quite young, I was not involved, and then involved, and then not involved, and then. Played the two semi-finals, and at the time you just think because Aberdeen are that successful, they'll be in loads of semi-finals, loads of finals, and that. So you sort of take it for granted a little bit, but obviously that's not the case. And there was a few barren sort of seasons. So
0: Yeah, and I I, I don't mean to rub the the salt in the wounds, but again, it's uh, the, the trophies have, have have dried up of of late as well. But you're right. I mean, there were there were some. Some very high points uh, in those early early nineties, and ran mm-hmm. very close as well uh, a number of seasons. In terms of Willie Miller, as I mentioned, as a manager at that point as well. Uh, what about the, the first team squad? But who who made you you know feel at ease as a youngster stepping into that uh, Petardry home dressing room?
1: Uh, to be fair, I think most of them. Aye. were were cook- well. Usually in the like Easter holidays, summer holidays, October holidays, because we were local boys and we were S-forms, they took us in to train. So we would train with like the reserves and the uh, youth team and that. So you were around them quite a lot. So they got to know you in that. And for us, like watching them, you're like, oh, my God, that's so, so that's so. But so you you get used to them. And then when I made my debut, Alex, I played alongside Alec McLeish. That's how long ago it was. And he just spoke right through the whole game, just non-stop, just taught me where to go, do this, do that, and that. So all I did was listen to him, and and that was that. But you had players like Alex McLeish, Jim Bett, Robert Connor, Stuart McKimmy, and even like the players, even like Ian Jess and that, that was still younger at the time. All of them were just like, guide you through games and stuff.
0: I mean, to have Alex McLeish, I mean, Alex McLeish... um you know, as someone who grew up and, and mostly knew knew Alex McLeish as a as a manager, you know, of course, mm-hmm. of, of Hibbs and Motherwell and then Rangers in Scotland and, and down south. you know, having well, I think lockdown last year, there was a lot of, you know, um games that I saw on television with Alex McLeish playing. And I mean he just was a a bit of a Rolls Royce of a of a player. I mean to, to have someone you know, alongside you as you're making your way in the first team, kind of guiding you through. I mean that that must that must have been brilliant.
1: Yeah, because because it was sort of thrown on me that I was playing and then you don't really have time to think, but as soon as the game starts, you're like hundred miles an hour in your head, and he just spoke the whole way through non-stop. Uh if I made a bad pass or I made him it was like not shouting at him, it was just like, right, do this, do that. And you end up just like listening and listening and listening, to him, and then that's it. It just like comes natural that where you should be in that, and uh, it, was, it was easier to play alongside people like that. That yep. you, it's like because you've got confidence in them as well, so you know he's going to win a tackle, you know he's going to win a header, and you know that he's not really going to make any mistakes.
0: You mentioned earlier on there, of course, um you were involved in the the Scottish Cup semi-finals uh, in '94. Um A year later, Aberdeen win silverware they win mm-hmm. the 95 um, league cup Scottish league cup final they beat Dundee 2-0 at Hamden we spoke to uh, back last year to uh, one of the, the key players that day big Dunkey Shearer you um, mm-hmm. come off the bench um, in that second half in that game I mean you, you know you've you've broken into the Aberdeen team you've made your debut you've, you've played in the first team etc to, to come off the bench in a cup final and have a cup Final winners medal in your back pocket as well. That that and I'm mean, that's that's uh, that's fairy tale stuff.
1: Yeah, especially that I hadn't really played a lot that season up until that point, and uh, at that time there was only like your two subs in your uh, sub goalie. So uh, I think Scott Thompson was in the squad. Big Brian Irving was just coming back from his illness, mm-hmm. so naturally they were ahead of me, and I thought. I was just well there just for the experience as well, being in the squad and that. And then they read my name out, and I was like, on a subs bench, so it was a bit of a surprise. But it was a, a great day, in that. And then we got back down to earth because we had a reserve game uh, midweek, and I think we had two players sent off quite early at Kilmarnock. so it was a bit of a slog during that game. But the the cup final was just like, again, like one of that days. You think it's a cup final, you're gonna have although it's not until you, you like finish your career you think back to it that it was like a special day.
0: Yeah, because it was a number of years after that. I mean, I was at that cup final that the Aberdeen won the League Cup again in 2014 against Cali Thistle, and you just, for a club the Aberdeen size, you know, trophies, especially after the 80s, were just, you know, expected. Um, your Your memories of the final, I mean, you know, I mean... I've spoken to a number of guys who've won trophies at Hamden. You know, it must be such a, a special experience. What are your memories of, you know, for example, going and lifting the trophy and, and getting your medal?
1: It was, to be honest, I can't really remember a, bit, a lot. Of the, it was just like don't drop a cup. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you used to see like Willie Miller on, like holding it up with one arm and that and uh when you got to lift it up, you just like it's just a it was just a sea of fans and that and thinking like, don't drop it, don't drop it. And then you just pass it quickly so you don't and obviously there's like the celebrations after than that but it just went by quite like a blur sort of thing and then as I said it's not until later on you think oh this day and that I can remember as you walked down the stairs to go out of Hamden uh, the lights and everything came on there were like flashing around the fans and the, the place was packed and bouncing and that and you just thought atmosphere going out and you felt quite confident because because it was Aberdeen but you also thought you should be taking care of teams like Dundee and that and that's how it proved in the, the final. So there wasn't a like, well, for me, there wasn't that sort of on. you're playing like a Rangers or a Celica that you you were confident that you were going to win, and obviously you had the players in the, the team that could could provide the win.
0: One thing that's always intrigued me about that final, of course, it was sponsored by the Coca-Cola. It was the Coca-Cola Cup final, uh, as it was called back in '95, and. Uh, the the pictures always make me laugh after the game. Stephen Glass gets presented with <laughs> a bike, <laughs> uh, mountain bike. Uh, please tell me that you had a shot of that mountain bike after the game.
1: I think there was a few people trying to get on it. Uh, it seems a strange sort of uh, prize to give somebody, mm-hmm. but did he? I think he raffled it off, did he, for the for Aberdeen? Okay, I think that's what he done. So yeah, normally it's a. People
0: will get a trophy and that, not, not a mountain bike, but yeah. Because Neil yeah. McCann uh, won, he won it the year after, and he he was on the losing side. And there's a great picture of him. He just looks, you know, confused at the fact. <laughs> it's that
1: he not won. something you can hide, is it?
0: No, no, exactly. And uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't understand how you're getting at the team bus, how you're yeah you even picking up the your, stairs. Ah, <laughs> your, your spare bit, just crazy. Roy Aitken, of course, is the manager at that time. Uh, things come to an end for you at Aberdeen mm-hmm. and move on to, ironically, the, the team that, that you beat in that League Cup final. You signed for Dundee shortly after as well. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us about, about joining Dundee under uh, cowboy John McCormack, who's been mentioned a couple of times in the podcast.
1: Yeah, it, it came out of the blue. Uh, I hadn't been training. Well, what happened was that offered me as a swap deal with Nicky Walker at the time at Park Thistle when I turned it down so I didn't want to go to Park Thistle and then about a week or so two weeks later I ended up training with Kev Christie, just the two of us who we were like sort of like cast aside sort of thing mm-hmm. so we were doing running we were coming in the afternoon and having to do running ourselves and away from the, the squads and that and then I got a phone call and it was John McCormack and I met him in Aberdeen and he just spoke about the team and that. And I can remember, it's Billy Dodds, I think I spoke to and Obviously, he came from Dundee as well. He said how good a, a club in that was. And then so I ended up signing for them.
0: Now, that that Dundee side, um, we'll go on to your, your spell, of course, at Dundee because you that Dundee side, when promotion from the mm-hmm. then first division to the um, to the Premier League or the SPL whatever it was called back then now you um, you have a couple of loan spells uh, in your early kind of stages of your Dundee career as well and I'm interested because of course as we talked about at the very start you're you're a bit of a Ross County hero um, but mm-hmm. you're good for Cali Thistle too um, and you had a loan spell at Cali Thistle back in 1998 um, again you know to go and I'm assuming that it was to you know go and get some some game time under your belt. Uh, talk to us about that co- couple of months you had at uh, at, at so Well, the
1: first loan I had was at um, Brecon. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had not played any type of first team games for Dundee that season. I have no idea why me and uh, Cowboy just totally like like not fell out, but. I was maybe in two or three squads, and then that was it. I was not even like stripped at any point. And uh, I had a meeting with him on the Friday, and uh, he's like, "You still want to play for Dundee and that?" And at that point, I was just like fed up of football. I just hated it sort of thing. And uh, he says, "Come back on the Monday, and I will have a chat and that." And it was more geared to me being released from him. So I went away in the the friday and i went out for a walk with my dog on the sunday and when i came back yeah cowboy got sacked which came totally out of the blue because they were top of the league and they just beat i think it's hamilton were second in the league so that opened up a bit of a lead and cowboy had been sacked and jockey scott yeah, came in and obviously a new jockey from aberdeen days Yep. so uh he pulled me in a meeting on a monday and he's like oh, how are you i was like yeah i'm fine he's like you still to play football yeah and he's like okay get out of my office and that was it and then he put me to out on loan to uh break and f- just to f- get football uh i think it was about five or six weeks i think till end of the season mm-hmm. and then i came back in for the start of pre-season and uh I had played a few the, the friendlies and that uh the, the start of the season that i played maybe a couple of first team games but i wasn't regular in uh I got the phone call and saying that cali i think was it richard Tastens, i think had done his knee mm-hmm. i think it was he to be out for a long time and would would uh, go up and uh, help right so i signed on loan for the three months and thoroughly enjoyed it like- uh, to the point that i was going to sign for them permanently okay once my loan was up but um jo- I, I never knew the time but jockey had like one of the skypes watching most of the games and he would um Pull me back in and said that I'd been doing well on that, and I'd played. I left Cal- the last game of the Cal- uh, Cali- it was against Arlo, and then I played uh, against Hearts for Dundee in the midweek, and then that was that I was involved in. So that swayed me to staying at Dundee because if it wasn't for that I'd probably be signed for for Cali
0: Aye, I mean I didn't I didn't know that that was uh that that was an option at the time. Now you mm-hmm. you you join as you see you have a. Uh, a couple of months on loan at, at Cali Thistle and uh, you work with Pelly Patterson Steve Patterson for those couple of months work under his tenure and of course there's, there's a couple of different connections in there as well because Duncan Shearer's there from your Aberdeen days and you mentioned Nicky yeah. as well he was uh, he ended up uh, keeping goal for that side when you almost had uh, a swap deal with him but um, in terms of working under Steve Patterson we've talked to a lot of guys who've worked under him for a number of years what was your experience he's like working under Pelly? for those couple of months?
1: I think it was just because he was so calm about everything. I think he just spoke to, like, in a normal sort of everyday, uh, you could be winning. If you were winning 5-0 getting beat 5-0, you'd just be exactly the same. You just wanted to, to you go out and play football in the right way. And I think that he was that sort of character which helped you. So I think you like... I can remember one of the games. I think we're two 0 down, or he was just like normal, and then because he knew that we were that we were a good team, and we get back into it, and right enough, that's what happened.
0: And what about your your Cali Thistle teammates that you played alongside uh, during those couple of months? I mean, some guys that are you know household names, and in, and in, in Highland football certainly. Um, what were your what were your experiences working alongside the likes of Barry Wilson, Charlie Christie, uh, Ross Tolkey, etc.? It
1: was just. There were good, good, solid players. Uh, you could see that they could play in the higher division right away. It was just a case of them getting there. Um, obviously, Charlie really good on the ball. Barry as well. But they were that good, like people like Barry Robson uh, weren't getting a game mm-hmm. at the time. So it just shows you how good, how good they were.
0: And of course, they did reach the the well. They did move up through the divisions um, mm-hmm. as you moved on as well. And you're, right, you're rightly pointed out there, um, you make your last uh, appearance for Calithis on the 27th of December, 1998. And then three days later, you're playing for Calithis on a 3-2 defeat to East Fife. And then three days later, you're back in that Dundee side when they beat Hearts 2-1 at Tynecastle. Um, a game, actually, I, I, I very nearly attended, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, my mum wouldn't let me. Anyway, uh, but moving on because Brian Irvin told me a story years ago, and uh, that that Dundee side that won the the first division, I'm pretty sure they went away to I think Magaluf to celebrate. Correct me if I'm wrong. And Hearts were also in Magaluf, and there was a bit of a there was a not a coming together, but the the two squads mingled, and I'm pretty sure I can't remember, I think it was maybe Steve Fulton said to a couple of Dundee lads, oh, I'm delighted that you've been promoted because we'll take 12
1: points off you. Is that uh-huh. is there any truth in that? I am this sure to be honest. Right. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I think it's the same as any team. If you see a team coming up from the first division that is looked upon as like easily uh, to beat them four times a season. So I think any, anybody that gives you a little bit of fire as well that uh, we've got to prove you wrong and uh, that's what they've done
0: but it came back to bite hearts on the bum that season because Dundee beat them
1: four. yeah I, I think they beat them yeah um that was quite a good season because well for me because i got back in but also there was the issue with the stands and that as well there mm-hmm. was talk of them uh not getting like to stay up because of the like the stands and there was them um, Obviously, at that Dundee, I think we're second bottom my third bottom in that. And then we just went on like a, a run and ended up above Dungeon United. So, um, and then they got dragged in. So, it was like a switch from because Dundee were at the bottom, all the United fans and that in the city were having a go at you. And then all of a sudden, we went on a run and uh, above Dungeon, United, I think we finished fifth, maybe. It was when it was like you were tipped to go down. So, yeah. Uh, it was it was good to see well good ending
0: for me of that season. There was there, there was a well yeah you rightly point out I mean you obviously get back into the side as well and you you become virtually a, a first team regular
2: at um, mm-hmm.
0: the end of that season and the season after as well. Um, that I mean that must have been uh, you know really pleasing considering the fact you've gone through you know those loan spells to get to that point where you're you're, mm-hmm. you're first team regular at Dundee. It was
1: just totally different because even though I was on loan I was always involved with the first team and um you were never like even if you had like a game for for that you'd still be the first team and then they would let you go early and mm. uh, meet up with the team and all that so if there was any like team meetings you were always involved so it wasn't like you were just there and then you were out loan, sort of thing you weren't like cast aside. so for me that was good to be involved all the time and you always knew that there would be a chance for you coming back as well. Whereas sometimes people go on loan and that's to get away, where I was just on loan just to get some game time. Because there wasn't any, or Dundee were in like the, a reserve team as such, they never did it. it was sort like they were playing a lot of friendlies and it wasn't that same sort of edge to the games and that. And you could not like coast through, but you could avoid getting like over for injuries and stuff so and uh, and the other thing is as well a lot of the, the times you were you're were playing on junior pitches as well so they had a game on the Saturday uh, the junior team so the pitch was all like dug up on a Monday and you were playing friendlies and that and it was just it wasn't the best so I thought if I go on loan and then obviously the Cali pitches it's quite a good pitch it's quite a big pitch and that and you're playing in a decent stadiums and that, and you get your fitness up, and it proved the, uh, the right decision.
0: Yeah, well, well, it worked out well for you in the end. Um, as I say, you, you become a Dundee regular um, and, and the first team. And when you when you look through the squad lists of that of you know you you're, during your time at the. Uh, at uh, at Dens Park, I mean, Rab Douglas was in goals, James Grady, Willie Faulkner, some some big names, some some you know big players mm-hmm. as well. What was that dressing room like?
1: That was good. Yeah, you had uh, well it, Tommy Coyne Tommy was Coyne. there as well. Yeah, he was, uh, and then even like players like Barry Smith, and that was quite quiet as well. But there was always like banter in that, and obviously you had the jockey. And, you know, Jimmy Bone was assistant, so he would always come in. No matter if you've been beaten or when on the Monday, we'd always come in and try and rile everybody up and have a laugh and a joke, and that. And so it was a good atmosphere. There was no like superstars as well, right. no like, oh, no, like everybody was like in it together, like putting a shift.
0: Yeah, it, it, it seemed that, uh, I mean, that Dundee side now, things change dramatically because Jockey Scott leaves 2000. His last full season in charge was ninety nine 2000 and then things changed, and Dundee themselves went through this crazy spell over the next couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Italian brothers, the Benetti brothers, uh, get brought in. Uh, Ivano Benetti arrives as, as player manager as well. What are your memories of that, that summer when the Benetti's turned up? What are your experiences of um, Italian
1: arrival? Well, there was just the transfer window just before the end of that season, there was five players just turned up and Jockey had no idea about, uh, who th- any of them were than that, so you sort of got a feeling that there was something going on behind the scenes and then obviously uh, Jockey left and the Italians came in and it was just a total different way of uh, training and playing And that. Uh, we went away to Italy for a week and we trained over there and some of the pre-season stuff we were doing, you were thinking, this is, like, so easy. Normally, pre-season, you're, like, absolutely blowing. Everybody hates pre-season. But a couple of uh, days, we were doing, like, runs and that, and they were doing, like, 100-meter runs, and normally you've got to p- properly get in at a good time. And they were going, no, too fast, too fast, slow down, slow down, and you were like, all right. But eventually, when the game started, you never felt any different, like you'd lost any fitness in that. It was just the had a way of like building it up yeah and um, so and then they started training in the afternoon to match like kickoff times and stuff as well so a lot of it was like running but like running drills rather than like actual running it was a more like for technique yeah so a couple of times it did at the time, you just want to play football, but they've got like a drill. I drill They just drilled in. You drilled in. You drilled in. You drill in. You, and uh was so it "You're like, oh my god, how long's this got to take?" And that, and then eventually you you click onto their their methods and that. So you could see, a moment how they're successful, but you could also see, the discipline side of it how they weren't because if things weren't going well for them in the games and that, they would just like start kicking people and and all the the dirty tricks came out. So it's good. Obviously some of the players that came in were like really, really good players, but some players would be in for like a couple of weeks and then you wouldn't see them again, and then somebody else would come in and then you wouldn't see them again. So it was a bit strange, a bit chaotic.
0: If I remember, um, I mean obviously the the, the more high profile players like so I mean Ravenelli had a spell there and okay for a couple of games and Canija was the, the big one, but mm-hmm. if I remember rightly, the likes of one Sara, Caballero, and then Saji, they're the ones that kind of stuck out the longest. And I mean, they, I mean, they, the times I saw them, I mean, they, they looked like really kind of classy players.
1: Yeah. Um, Namzadze was unbelievable. Even in training and that, he'd really use the ball, uh, lose the ball. The ball would stick to him all the time. And he was just like effortless when he had it. Uh, Caballero before his injury, was unbelievable as well. And, uh, Juan Sarah probably missed more than he scored but he was just one of them that was in the right place at the right time and a lot of the times it, he would miss it before he did score but the, as you say that type of players were for us watching them and that and then obviously Keneja comes in and uh, he was probably out of them all the most approachable as well Keneja you'd think that the career he's had and that he would he wouldn't be but uh, Out of all like, uh, the foreign players that came in, he was probably the most approachable, him and then and, and,
0: and how was Ivano Bonetti himself? Because it seemed a bit of a kind of it was not, it was unusual for Dundee to obviously bring in all these kind of foreign imports and have a foreign manager as well. There was always a bit of a circus around the whole thing. How mm-hmm. was working with Benetti for yourself?
1: Oh, it was a nightmare for me because it was the same position we played. <laughs> <laughs> so he was always going to play he would never train and then he would join in like a training game and then he would play on a saturday and that was that was his, like, his training so uh he was all right with me to be fair uh so i think he got sent off in his his debut i think if i can remember and then i played the next game and then they played Hibbs, and i think it'll go beat 5-2 and then he never played the next game and then i played and then it was like that sort of so i played he played i played and then so it was like whatever games he fancied that was it so and then all of a sudden it just sort of drifted a little bit away and um more uh, players came in and more players left and more players came in so uh my game time reduced a bit and then i went on loan to air for two months
0: highland football weekly is proud to support local charity Mikey's Line, a charity based in Inverness covering the whole of the Highlands. Set up in 2015 after a number of suicides in the area. People struggle on a daily basis with a multitude of emotional and mental health difficulties, yet only a fraction of people are able to talk about it and Mikey's Line are here to help. They run two services, a crisis centre with appointments and drop-ins available in Inverness City Centre, but their main service is a text-based support service, which includes SMS, text messages, Facebook Messenger, web chat and Twitter. If you're feeling like you need to talk to someone about your mental health, then do so today. Text 07786 207755. That's 07786 They're also available online, mikeysline.co.uk. They're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. Remember, it's okay not to be okay.
2: Jocks Talking Balls is the new podcast where four football fans debate the biggest talking points in football history with some hilarious results.
0: Diana Ross scores that penalty. There's an argument for the greatest goal of all time because she breaks the goal. She literally breaks the
2: goal. <laughs> Each week, there's a different topic where the four of us have to come to a complete agreement on a final top five. Okay, let's buckle up. It's going to be a long night. Tipso's not in. Aldi's not in. I'd put a cross through them, yet. Yeah. Or oh, Ross isn't happy. He's not happy. And that's where our real opinions come to the fore. They're just a, a skid mark on, on Highland football. I just hate them They're just
0: a shambles of a club And when comparing the
2: two I just find indeed mm. deeply unpleasant Sit back and reminisce As the debate takes all sorts of turns It's the craziest The most amazing goal celebration That we'll never see If it makes these two boys Wet their knickers <laughs> the way it is now Then it has to be good The back of
0: that stand Like has an asbestos warning <laughs> I mean come on <laughs>
2: The Jock's Talking Balls podcast A must listen for all football fans Find us on Spotify And other podcast platforms now Yeah that would be worth listening to I would love to hear that
0: Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Highland Weekly. On Instagram, it's at Highland Football Weekly. And on Facebook, it's HFW Podcast. But for now, let's get back to this week's episode. You signed for Ross County. That's where, Mm -hmm. as I I say at the very start, you're fondly um, or highly thought of by Ross County fans. You you joined Ross County uh, in 2002. Neil Cooper signed you back then. Um leaving Dundee and, and moving to Ross County, what was the uh what, what were kind of the, the background to the move and what was the thoughts about heading to Dingwall? Uh
1: because the first team trained uh, at different times than the the rest of the players, so they had like quite a like a smaller sort of first team squad that we train. Um I think it was like two o'clock or three o'clock that we trained. So Anybody not involved with training with the youth team and uh, with Ray Farningham, mm-hmm. so but th- that was good, enjoyed it. Um, and then I got a phone call saying, Would you go up to, to Dingwall for a like a trial? And I was like, Yeah, no, no problem. So I went up and had a, like a two day sort of trial, and then and I had a meeting with Roy McGregor. He just went to like a general chat, nothing real, there was nothing like about contracts and that. I think he just went to see what like sort of person I was first and foremost um so i did that I think, and then he said that they would want to sign me so I signed on the f- saturday i think it was, i had to do it before because i was a scottish cup game against rangers
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you had to i had to beat that deadline so uh i signed in that and then we played Wraith. i think on saturday and beat Wraith i think it's four 0 and then the week after or two weeks after we played rangers
0: that's right. We talked about that game with uh, Karim Bukhra, one of your old teammates, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago.
1: Um,
0: A very kind of, well, a bit of an iconic game because uh, Ross County very nearly caused uh, an almighty shock that day as well.
1: I thought we were going to get absolutely battered. See, when it went 2-0, I thought, yeah. oh, my. Because they had like Tory Andre full up front, like £15 million pound, and uh, we're 2-0 down after like 10 minutes you think this could be anything and then once to get back into it and then we'll give them like, a big scare.
0: Yeah, very, well, very nearly, um, as I say, caused a, uh, an almighty upset. And, of course, that would have just been, uh, well, that would have just, again, like like Cali Thistle beating Celtic the, the year after, the year before. Mm-hmm. Rather, that would have just yeah. been the club. In terms of how did you find settling in then to, to Dingwall? Well, obviously a bit different from Dundee. How how was uh, life settling into the Highlands?
1: Yeah, it was good. Uh, when I was at Dundee, I just used to travel up and down from Aberdeen. So i still... Uh, stayed. I would just travel up and down with uh, Gavin Ray and uh, there was Barry Thompson mm-hmm. as well. I used to travel, so I never really like stayed in Dundee, but maybe like an overnight stay if we had a game and that. So when I went up to to Dingwall, I stayed in a bed and breakfast for a week, and then one of my friends in Aberdeen, his mum had a contact in Tain, so I stayed in Tain till the end of the season. So that was a uh, that was interesting because they had a coal fire and. Couldn't work it at all. <laughs> whatever I'd done, it was either too high or too low, and uh, everyone was controlled by the coal fire, like the hot water and stuff as well. So it was freezing as well. So uh, when the season finished, I moved back to to Aberdeen for the for the summer, and then uh, I got a, a flat in Inverness when I moved back up.
0: It's very um, it's very unusual because when you hear, obviously, you know, I've 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 spoken to a couple of guys who've actually stayed in Dingwall when the when they've signed for Ross County and you know, Coron Bridge and the surrounding areas. And but most of the guys, I mean, tend to uh, to stay in Inverness, but I've never had never heard Tain before. So
1: Yeah, Tain. I've stayed in there for for three months. So it was a bit of an experience. I
0: mean, sample any of the Tane nightlife, no?
1: Isn't it? I did once, yeah. I we went to uh well I had something to eat and then I went to the I think it was a nightclub, but it was like like an underground sort of thing and I think one part in, was bodies lying everywhere <laughs> you were stepping over people and that so uh, that was I think the one and only time out in town.
0: <laughs> first uh, first and last I don't even know had a nightclub as well so there we are and
1: I, I was just at a pub and then there was like a downstairs to it and there was just people lying everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Every day's a school day uh, yeah. In
0: terms of then I mean your your first uh, full season at, at County Um, The club finished fourth. You go on to make 44 appearances that season, six goals as well, kind of finding your feet at Ross County as well and settling into life, not only in the the area, but under Neil Cooper's tenure as well. Uh, Talk to us about working alongside uh, Neil Cooper. I know that, I mean, he's a a guy that you would go on to play for again after you leave Ross County, but uh, how were you enjoying life under Coops at uh, County?
1: Yeah, that season where we, we finished fourth, I think it was just after Christmas, I think we were second bottom. And uh, all of a sudden, for some reason or other, we just went on this long run. I think we we're unbeaten beaten till the end of the season. And part of that, it keeps is more like a man, man, you no, know, like a man manager rather than like a coach sort of thing. Yep. And uh, whatever he was doing, it was just like it seemed to be working. A couple of times we were playing and we were. A couple of games weren't very good and we were getting barred, but we'd win like one nil or draw and it just like went from there. And then the bus trips got on the way back, got longer and longer and longer because we stopped off at Al- after Arda for like one beer and then two beers and that. And then, so that going back in the bus and that was, was really good. But he was just that sort of character. Like you would have his stories and you, you were just like the bus trips like flew by because it, it was that good of a laugh.
0: Yeah, that must have been a. a oh, I suppose you maybe used to it with kind of Aberdeen, you know, in the in the long journeys up the, you know, back up from away games and stuff like that. But you know, certainly guys that have played for you know for Ross County, and experienced that kind of long a nine trip every other week. Once you're, I suppose when you're when you're winning, and you've got a good team uh, spirit in the campus, as you know, those those trips must be. I mean, they must make the the, the journey back up fly by.
1: Yeah, it, it's also better when you, you have a good result. But even if you haven't, it's like a bus was like quiet until you maybe get to Perth and that, and then it'll start to pick up. And then everybody's like, I think like some people will be chatting about the game and all that. What could have done, what couldn't have done. And then by the end, uh, people are like slagging off other people, but in like banterish way and stuff. So I think that helped as well, just to to get out of some people's system as well. Um, it was really good on some of the bus journeys that I can remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, there's always that as well. Uh, uh, in terms of your uh, your teammates at Ross County as well, who did you did you enjoy playing well, I'm assuming you enjoyed playing with most of them, but uh, yeah. who stood out in terms of you know who was the guy? Who were the guys that you you really really liked playing alongside?
1: Probably you. I would prob- say most of them again. The ones that probably would be like. Fergie, and probably Kenny as well, just because of the type of players they were. They were just like, would go through anybody just to, to win a ball, and they were like, county through and through. So, if you, like, standard slip, then they would be on you to to get you know, pull your socks up and, and get back into the game sort of thing. So, uh, I would say probably most of them, yeah. Mark McCulloch was the same sort of like player that you knew that yeah. 100% every game
0: Aye, Mark. Mark McCulloch was always you knew what you were going to get with with Mark. Always a at least a seven every week. You know, one of these mm-hmm. guys. Um, yeah. When I uh, spoke to one of my uh, one of my friends, I'll give him a mention. Um, Tipso, know um, that would be listening to this one. When I told him that that I was going to get Shuggy Robertson on, he he likened your set pieces to Roberto Carlos or Jog Alberts. Now. <laughs> Of course, there's a lot of guys that, and we'll talk about Hartlepool as well because you're in a minute. Well, you're fondly remembered um, at uh, at Hartlepool for oh, what's the best way of putting it? S- smashing it, hammering
1: it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you you could scalp a football. Uh-huh. It's just something that I could do. It wasn't really like I had not practice there or anything like that. It was just, but to be fair, it could have went anywhere when I was hitting. <laughs> Um, but I think it was more. See, when we had to do the goalkeeping with like Theo when I was at Aberdeen.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I had to sort of change how I kicked the ball to get it more accurate. And then he wanted it done a certain way. And then from there, like the power started to build up again. And then I got more accurate and more accurate. And it just changed a little bit how I kicked the ball. So I just brought that on as a as a, my career progressed.
0: Yeah, because I've seen one on YouTube. Um, now, this one doesn't go in, but you must be just outside the D in the opponent's half. This is for Hartlepool. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, when you say they're practising you know, practicing goal, you know the, the goalkeeping kicks, it's almost like a goal kick, but it's got... It's, it's a kind of cross between a free kick and a goal kick. Now, this one just misses the top of the crossbar and no more. If that, that goes in, I mean, that's a goal that will be shown on... Highlight reels and, and and what have you. Um, in terms of your 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 goals for Ross County, though, I mean, I saw one on YouTube the other night. It was a cracking one, and Ross County fans will will probably remember it very well. Uh, you beat Cali Thistle five one at at the Caledonian Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, you scored the fourth, I think, and and it's a it's a free kick six yards out, and I mean. Okay, very difficult when you've got the living bodies on the line. But you, I mean, you you almost knock Mark Brown in, into the back of the net. It's obviously something that I suppose is a bit of you. You say they're practice, but also technique, and you've kind of married the two together with this this ability.
1: Yeah, the free kick side of it, I never really practiced. To be fair, it was all just because I could kick the ball hard that they wanted me on free kicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had. I think it was one against Park Thistle, down at uh, part that I scored, and it wasn't supposed to be me kick, uh, taking it. It was just like the last minute they shouted at me, and I just run up and hot it, and it, it just stayed the same height all the way in. But it's something that I never really practiced because then you start thinking, oh, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, and uh, especially when I had to take him for heart and that, it was just more get it on target. So I. I I'm trying to think. I think that was about the only one I scored for Ross County it was the, that free kick against Park Thistle and the, the Carly one. I think I just had to because they were I knew they were going to come out, I was just trying to get it It's I tried to put it as high as I could. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I've not put it that high, but it's went in. So it was just get it high enough to beat the wall and and uh but keep it under the bar. So I think I've ended up hitting, I think Stevie Hislop, I think is it.
0: Well, there's, there's almost um it's like a wrecking ball almost. There was a couple of them uh, uh, nearly ended up in the in the back of Mark Brown's net. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I mean, that at that precise moment in time, County are under the the, the tenure of Alex Smith. Neil Cooper mm-hmm. uh, moves on as well. Alex Smith is that? I'm assuming that he is that someone you you knew from the early days at Aberdeen as well. Did you have that?
1: connection? yeah. yeah he signed me from S farm Mm-hmm. When I went full time, so uh, I knew him from Aberdeen. So when he came uh, uh, came in, and that I was quite happy, and uh, I played I think most of the games under him. So and then he changed me in to like sort of up front role as well for, for some reason. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed playing. He's the same sort of character as Jockey. He's quite like detailed about how he wants you to play and. Um, so uh, I was used to, like, football, for me, it's, like, changed a little bit because back then, like, managers would have, uh, like, a proper group of players and stuff like that. And as I got older, then they couldn't do that because players, wouldn't react the same, a lot of the time you would see, like, players going, like, sort of a huff as well. So I think when he first came in, he was, like, proper, like, old school and, and stuff. And then he mellowed out a little bit every so often he would uh, depending on how you were playing in that but a lot of the time the, he, he seemed to mellow out from what he was at his Aberdeen days
0: In terms of you mentioned there I mean uh, you know managers going Tonto I feel like who, who could go who was the worst then? Jockey Scott Neil Cooper or Alex Smith?
1: Uh, Neil Cooper I, I doubt right, okay. easily yeah he would he'd go absolutely mental absolutely like Hit things, throw things. But Willie Miller was up there as well. With right. for for um, he I remember one game we played Stranraer at Tordry, and this was the second game of the season in the, the League Cup, and we were nil nil at half time And uh, he came in and like, threw his jacket down, and he just tore in everybody. And uh, he banged the door that hard that he broke the glass bit, but his hand was like bleeding. As well, so he was like shouting at everybody, and you could just see his hand being in there. The physio was trying to bandage his hand up at the same time as he was shouting, and that, and he was just going, berserk. Eh, but I think it's because that's the like what it was like under like Fergie and that, so he was just following that sort of. But he, uh, Willie Miller, was up there for a far going mental.
0: Now, you mentioned there uh, Neil Cooper, obviously, um, you worked with him at Ross County, then the opportunity. Uh, arrives uh, in January 2004 uh, to link up with Neil Cooper again uh, you joined Hartlepool uh, in January 2004 um, I'm assuming you know okay you, you've mentioned there you know obviously the Alex Smith connection but the opportunity to uh, to link up with Neil Cooper again uh, too good to turn down
1: yeah i'd seen him a couple of times in the in the summer just like and passing and that, and I was speaking. I'm asking how he was getting on and stuff. And he, he kept like laughing and joking. Oh, you'll be the uh, first phone call if I get a club and that, just like laughing and that. And then he, I spoke to him again in the January, and at that time, that's about the like. I'd always wanted to try like down south and stuff, and that would have been about the only opportunity I would have got. So uh I spoke to the chairman and Alex Smith and that, and they were wanting me to stay in. If, probably if it wasn't Neil, then I probably would have stayed. But it was just too good a, a and I never really knew much about Hartlepool either, so it wasn't like it would be like, oh, I've got to sign for this team, and that. It was more the like playing for Neil again.
0: Yeah, and and that that experience of you know going down south and, and trying something new as well, you know, that's you know as you say that you've probably got the the kind of perfect storm. I feel like you know you're obviously wanting to to sample you know the English leagues, and you've got a manager that you know. Worked mm-hmm. worked with for a for a long time. And, and but that is, you know, that's something that a, a lot of players well certainly over the last number of years, a lot of players up here you want to try themselves down south and you you were no different at that point.
1: Yeah, it's just you don't well, I never realized like the size of some of the clubs down there that, that in the lower leagues. Um when I was at Hartley, we were playing like teams like Sheffield Wednesday and um Leeds were in the the division, Nottingham Forest were in the division at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brighton, even teams like uh, Bristol City were like 25,000 fans. Mm-hmm. And that's for like a first division game. It, it's just, you don't realise it. You just think, oh, because it's lower leagues and that. But some of the teams are, are, are big teams.
0: Yeah, I'd forgotten about the Leeds at that point. Of course, they mm-hmm. slipped all the way down to uh, League One uh, in England. Um, now, again, as I mentioned there, um you were nicknamed Hugh the hammer at Hartlepool, a lot of uh, alliteration there, but um, I think you probably, you know, got uh, iconic status uh, very earlier on in your Hartlepool career because, and again, I've I've, I've, I've watched pretty much every goal you've scored on YouTube uh, over the last <laughs> couple of days, but th- this one really, I mean, it's it's brilliant because your, your first goal for Hartlepool uh, is a free kick uh, again. Oh, I've, I've now written in the team. I think it was Luke Blackpool. Blackpool, yes, Blackpool. Yeah, um, I knew it was orange. Uh, you, you score a, a free ball. Well, you, you take a free kick, uh, and you score it from the edge of the box. And the referee spots something. He takes it back, and then you you, you basically you you hit it exactly in the same spot. It comes off the bar and goes down over the line. But it, it you know just you know to to score like that you know two very uh, similar goals just. You know, a couple of seconds after each other, uh, I think the Hartlepool fans kind of took to you after that moment.
1: Yeah, I, when I first signed, the my first game was supposed to be against Luton, but it got called off an hour before the game with a waterlogged pitch. So I had two away games uh, against Barnsley and uh, who was on uh, Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday away, and then the the first home game was a Friday night game. And I hadn't been on the three kicks at all. It was uh, Gavin Strachan that had been on the free kicks, mm-hmm. but he was injured for that game. So that game, I've probably had more free kicks in that one game than I've I've had in about ten. The the first free kick I've, I had, and they want me to take it, and I wasn't going to take it, and it's I've made a mess of it, and it's went miles wide and high and. Then about a minute later, there was a free kick in identical position and I've hit it, same sort of thing again. And I heard the crowd going, like, oh, oh, like sighing stuff. But at the last minute, it's dipped and hit the crossbar. And then next thing, there was another free kick another free kick and I was getting closer and closer. And then that one was the second half. And uh, I don't even... The referee blew a whistle and the, I've scored and then he's, he's pulled it back, but he's never said why he's pulled it back. So I was... Obviously, I've put it in that side, so I'm going to try and put it in the other side. And the goal is taking a step. That's because like, he thinks that's where I'm going. To. And then the last minute, I've just, like, side hooted that again. And uh, it's came off the bar. At the time, I didn't think it was in. And then he skipped it. And, uh, but we drew one each in that game. And then we played a wick my way in the next game. And I scored a free kick again yep. <laughs> from nearly an identical position. So and, uh, I think I scored four goals. That season, just for just like three kicks, I had one. It was a, uh, uh, I've I've made a run and uh, went round. actually went round the goalie. I was that far up the pitch, but uh, so that that season they were tipped to be relegated and they got to the the playoffs. So it was, it was a good good start. But during that game, I thought they were booing me, but they were actually going huu. But at the time, it sounded like they're booing me, and then. Uh, one of the, the local, like, for there, the Hartlepool TV I was speaking and asking about the game and all that and about the fans and stuff. And I was like, yeah, the, um, I was like, the booing a little bit, like, sort of put me off a little bit. And they're like, oh, what booing? It was like, well, every time I was like, going for a free kick and, or a corner, they were booing like, they know they were going to shoe. So I was like, oh, so from there on, I was like, OK, then. They just seemed, for some reason, they just seemed to, every time I took a free kick or even a corner and stuff like that, they were always, like, right on my bike supporting me and that. So, from out of nothing, they were, it was like, you would speak to them in, the, like, the street and all that. It was like, oh, how you doing? And it's like, yeah, I'm all right. It's like, strange. So, so, I'd only been there a few weeks, and it was like, I'd been there for, like, a few seasons.
0: Well, certainly when you go online, you know, you can see that, um, you know, as I say, you've got, you know, cult hero status if you like with the Hartlepool fans there's certainly a lot of uh you know a lot of stuff online and and certainly you know a lot, a lot of stuff on on YouTube uh with your you know your goals as well which I suppose is brilliant to to look back on as well you, you mentioned there obviously you know your first uh, six months of the of the season uh the club narrowly miss out on, on a player final they lose um over two legs to Bristol City as you mentioned that uh, you know, yeah, know, club. And, they had the Yeah, they'd up, spent
1: so like formality. a lot of money and uh, they, it was supposed to just like a formality to beat us because we had just sneaked in at the last on the last day of the playoffs, but mm-hmm. we drew one each in the first game and then we were one nil up against them in the second down there. And then in the last 10 minutes, we're right back, got concussed and our centre half got taken off, injured as well. So with we like a right winger playing right back and with the midfielder playing centre half and They've scored like two goals in five minutes and right to death as well. So it was a bit of a sickness, but it was a successful season for them because they'd been tipped for for relegation. So and even the the second season we weren't tipped for to do much, and then we got to the playoff final, and then the third season we got relegated. <laughs> it was a bit weird.
0: Aye, as I say, the the well yeah, the playoffs in the first season, the playoff final the season after as well, and it. It's well, it's the mark of the man. I mean, I've, I've spoke to many guys. I mean, personally, uh, would have loved to have, to have had Neil Cooper on one of these podcasts. And I've spoke to a lot of guys that have played alongside him as well. Mostly at Ross County, to be fair. Um, but but yourself at Hartlepool, and he's actually highly regarded at Hartlepool as well. They need to stand after him. Yeah. I think just field.
1: because of what he'd achieved mm-hmm. the short time he was there, which... I mean, they took him back for a second spell as well. So it shows, as you say, about how highly regarded he was um, to take them from relegation favourites to, to the playoffs and then the playoff final the next season. And he wasn't there for the relegation one, but you could see that everything he'd done and that the fans were 100% behind him.
0: You mentioned about... Hartlepool, obviously, you know, playing and testing yourself at that level as well, playing up against, you know, big, big clubs, um, you know, likes the Leeds, Bristol City, etc. Um, how do you look back on that that experience of, of playing uh, for Hartlepool for a couple of years?
1: It was just because it was new. You were playing it. There were some good players that to be, honest, I did not really know who they were, but there were some players totally different from the Scottish game and that you would get like big, strong players that would tramp all over the top of you. And then you'd get absolute flying machines as well. But it was just more the size of teams. There were like more physical playing against them down there. I remember one of the games we actually changed for goalkeeper because we we're playing one of the teams and they like to just throw free kicks, throw-ins, everything went into the box. So we changed it for with a taller goalkeeper just for that game, just because of that, with that, was the, the tactics and we knew it was coming and it was just like a battle for the, the 90 minutes. And then other games you would, you would see players that were like proper footballers rather than just like up and down the pitch and sort of thing. So it was more like in depth sort of like how they went into like games and tactics and stuff as well. It was all like tactic boards and they would pull you at the side and you'd spend like a few days against different teams because they only play each other home and away. So it's not, you were used to playing teams in the Scottish division because you are playing four times um, a season. So you, you knew most of the players. So for me, it was difficult to try and judge who you were up against and that. And then that's when like, the, uh, even like the team like Harper, like loads of scouting reports and stuff. So you had to like study up and on the players you were up against and the team's weaknesses and their strengths and that. So for me, it helped me as well as a player, just to, like, sort of develop that side of the game.
0: From your from your time in England, who who were the kind of opposition players that you played against that kind of stood out for you?
1: Uh, there was one, I think, is it Stephen McPhail, I think his name is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: For Leeds, he was on loan, I think, to Leeds. But you, you could see him, like, take a ball anywhere and... Uh, just really, really good footballer. I, there, was, there was a few that it, it stood out. That I, to be honest, I can't remember like exactly their names and stuff. But you could see that some players had stepped down the division and that, and they were really, really good players. And some of them were coming to the end of their careers and that. But they always seemed to have that space when they got the ball. So it was just. Difficult to, to try and mark them Just because they've had that experience of playing At, at higher leagues
0: your, your spell at Hartlepool comes to an end And then you're back in the Highlands You're back at Ross County of course Very different, you, you re-signed for Ross County in 2006
1: um, Very different yeah, to n- Your last Leach. Neil, Neil tried to sign For Gillingham when he was a manager At Gillingham as well Okay. <laughs> I, I stayed at Hartlepool for the, the Other year and then when they got relegated they released a few players uh, my contract was up and I um, moved back up to, to Aberdeen and when I was up there John Robertson actually phoned me uh, if I would go to Livingston for a few days on trial okay. but uh, just before that George Adams had, had called him and asked me to go up to, to Ross County so I knew the club I knew George and uh, so I went up and I had the trial and uh, i played against Scott Leach a few times when he was at Hearts, mm-hmm. So I spoke to him and that and I the, um, had a week's trial and then the side miss. So uh, for me going back to it, it was just like I knew the club, I knew the the, the people behind the scenes as well. So it was like, like a perfect sort of move back for me.
0: Talk to us about that, um, a very different dressing room, I'd imagine, to the one you perhaps left because there was a lot of a, a different, um, different dressing room altogether. Obviously, you know, a crop of youngsters come in. Some,
1: yeah, it was more. Like uh, it was strange running. being like, the, uh, strange being like the the older player for. I've been used to being like one of the younger ones in a changing room and that, and uh, going in there, you felt quite old. <laughs> but they they did all the running for you, and uh, you just did the got the ball and passed it, and that they did all the hard work. But yeah. Like Michael Gardine and that, you could see that there were good players as well, so it was it was enjoyable to play alongside them.
0: A lively dressing room with uh, the likes of a Michael bit, Gardine
1: yeah. looking about. Uh, him and Martin Scott, the Martin two of them, Scott, you of could course. never. <laughs> it was uh, definitely wasn't quiet. the two of them were, were on the uh, game. One of the with, uh, during the, the pre-season, there was like a big uh, bubble wrap roll so they wrapped uh, Midge up in it. So when they were walking down the corridor, when uh, Scott Leach heard the door open, so they went to run, but obviously uh, Midge was like wrapped up. He just fell straight straight down and banged his head off the off the ground. And uh, everybody just left him. He was just like wrapped up in this bubble wrap. And then Scott Leach came out and was going absolutely berserk because they were like messing around in that. But then that's just how him and uh, Martin Scott were, just up to no good all the time.
0: I've heard the uh, well, I've, 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 yeah, I've heard lots of stories about uh, Martin Scott and, and Michael Garden and these, well, but at the same time, I think Derek Adams actually uh, talked about it. He, he said that actually you kind of need, you need guys like that, you know, when you're having a bit of a a, a, a tough time or there's a, mm-hmm. a down moment, you need these guys around the dressing room to to get everything up. Now, Derek Adams actually was was a player that season as well, and I, I know that was there was a you know some really talented players, in there Don Cowie for example, was in there that season as well. In terms of on the park, it doesn't work for Ross County that season. The club get relegated. to do win the Challenge Cup. You scored a penalty in the Challenge Cup win over Clyde, which was a a kind of a rare high point of that season. How difficult was it that season? Uh, you know, being being relegated and um, your first season back at the club. I,
1: th- I think at the start of the season, nobody really like thought. Like relegation and that, even when we're like down near the bottom and stuff, you never really thought you were going to get relegated because you looked around the dressing room and we had really good players. Uh, and then you you win a cup final, you think that'll be like a springboard, but we never really put a consistent run together. So when we did get relegated, it was you, you didn't really believe it because at the time the players were as like a group of players were. A lot better than what most of the teams were in the league. It just for some reason, uh, we couldn't string that run of games together to, to get us. We'd, we'd go maybe a couple of games, we'd get a couple of good results, and then we would fall back again. And then we got a couple of uh, good wins, and then we'd fall back again. We never really managed to, to clear ourselves. But at the end of the day, you then you go back, you get relegated, and then comfortably we win the league the next season. So It's difficult. Would you want to get relegated to get that success, or would you just want to stay in that league? It's a difficult one.
0: Now, obviously, as we know, history shows that that Ross County bounced back and and went well, going to have a a tremendous couple of years. But it's always interesting because that season covered the, the side, the club very closely. That season, and actually, Scott Leach is someone who you know, it started off okay for Scott Leach, and and ultimately ended in a bit of a disaster. And I know that Scott has been coaching ever since, but he's never had a, a management job on his own. Did you feel sorry for for Scott Leach that season, and his kind of his only managerial uh, role, if you like, in his career? Did you kind of uh, have sympathy for for that season and what he was trying to? Could you see what he was trying to do behind the scenes, and just didn't work on the pitch?
1: Yeah, I think the more the season went on, the more you could see how frustrated he was to try and get his ideas across. Uh, and a couple of times that he was – how he was what in the game played in that you could see that some of the players that were had weren't as, I would say, following his instruction. I think he just never had the talent to do it. And I think you could see he was getting frustrated. And the more he, f- he got frustrated, the more he was like, Try, it was just like going against the player sort of thing and the players not stopped playing for him but they knew that he would he'd be like that sort of like old sort of school manager and it was difficult for him to cross I think from the player side of it to the to the management side because he would join in in training and he could still play away a but you could see in train, some of the boys would wind him up and that, and he would just take the bait, proper, totally take the bait and try kick people and all that, and you could just see it was just like frustration in that, and uh, it was watching them, It was difficult for him to get his point across, and as like a manager rather than a player, and I think that's why he's probably better like coaching, yeah, and that side of it rather than like a man management side of it. But you did, towards the end of it, you did feel sorry because you just looked like, no matter how much effort you put in it, you just wasn't really getting getting anywhere.
0: Yeah, and it ultimately ended in, you know, ugh, you know, relegation's never easy to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you play your last game for Ross County, January 2008. That's the season that the club uh, win the second division under Derek Adams and get back up to the first division. And of course, as we all know, I've gone on to wonderful things uh, over a mm-hmm. couple of years or so. You, 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 you make 160 appearances overall for Ross County. Um, in terms of your your two spells at Ross County uh, combined, uh, good, you know, good memories, good, good moments in a, in a navy blue shirt for yourself.
1: I think just the whole area up there, even. When you go out in that see you even like nights out and stuff like that you were speaking to cali players and there was it was but even though there's cali and ross county two teams and like the fans and that there was never any or like a dundee Dundee united sort of that rivalry and that it was like a friendly rivalry and any time you were playing in games and that the fans were always supportive and even like behind the scenes and that, the, the people are always behind you and uh, just like a, a feel to the area uh, I had like no hesitation in going back to it, it for my second spell and that, and as I said earlier, then probably if it wasn't for Neil, then I would uh, I'd probably stop been uh, playing. So uh, yeah, it's I never realised it was that amount of games, and that just time flew by. Well, that's
0: I'm 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 ably, I'm ably assisted by the the, the brilliant Staggies Archive Online, which is providing me all these stats. Sixteen goals as well just to add into that stat as well uh, I'm sure um, uh, many of those goals will, will still be fondly remembered by Ross County fans as well uh, obviously we're we're in lockdown whatever at the moment and and we have been for on and off for the last uh, well, year now uh, in terms of uh, before that um, do, you, do you still get a chance to, to come up and, and visit Dingwall and, and see Ross County in action or is that what you're you know, do you have any plans to, to come back to Dingwall over the next uh, wee while or so, once we're safe to do so, of course.
1: Uh, I've not been up since since I left. Um, okay. But even uh, when I left, uh, I had an operation on my knee, and I was only supposed to be out for like two weeks, three weeks at the most, the guy said. And then had my operation, and uh, I had, it was a letter came through, and it was like big long words, and I couldn't understand any of it all uh, medical terms and that so i give it to the club doctor he's like oh yeah you've got to quit <laughs> it's like what uh, and that was it I had to. so I'm, I tried to like carry on for a few months after that and then uh, we, were, we were training one day and I just took a touch of the ball I've just passed it to the side and as soon as I put my feet down my knees just like buckled a little bit and then I knew that was it I had to stop so that was the last time that I'd been up um I think Kenny was talking about uh, a charity game, mm-hmm. uh, but it got cancelled. I think because, uh, I can't remember why. So that would have been uh, probably the, another time would be not. But I think it's just because now I've got a, a young family and that it's difficult now to yeah. to go, out, go up and watch, watch the games and that. But I've tried to watch some of them on the TV, though it's with a with lockdown and that and there are no fans and that. It's just. I can't do it as like watching a training match yeah, nice. for any of the games. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be the same sort of intensity. Players are taking balls in their own box and that. And they would never do that if I was fans and that. They'd be getting out of there as quick as possible. But they just seem to take all the time in the road now. And it just seems to, the intensity seems to have came out of the football.
0: Yeah, even, I mean, even Ross County beating Celtic, uh, which was a fantastic result, of course, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it, there was there's just something missing, and of course, it was the fans. You know, we just wanted that. Yeah,
1: it's so not even like it's, that would be a like a not a shock, uh like a shock shock. But you'd be talking about it for a few days and that, but because as you say, there's no fans and that. It's just like yeah, it's like sort of forgotten quite quickly. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh it's kind of watered, watered. I mean, obviously, still a still a brilliant achievement for the club, and of course, we hope that they can. Uh, you know, start shooting up the table uh, fairly. Yeah,
1: it's, well. it's
0: very tight. It's very tight at the bottom, is it? <sighs> Too tight. of uh, yeah.
1: big games to come, of
0: course. Uh, well, we're recording this one. Uh, Ross County play Camanach on Saturday, and that's a a, a, a massive,
1: massive,
0: massive game. Shug, it's been brilliant uh, looking back over your career. Um, some some brilliant moments for Aberdeen, Dundee, Ross County, and uh, Hartlepool as well, and uh, and some fantastic goals that. I recommend, highly recommend that anyone uh, type your name into Google and and see some uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic goals from yourself. A uh, pleasure, uh, and thanks again for for sparing uh, some time this evening to chat over your career. Thanks very much, you.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on.